The comments heard on The View from a Pew are those of Mac McCoy and are not necessarily the opinions of his guests, his producer Garth, any one particular denomination or religion, the church lady, Mr. Lemke, Pastor Craig, or anyone else of sound mind and body. Now here is today's The View from a Pew, heard all around the world on YouTube. Just search for The View from a Pew. And thank you, Emily. Good afternoon. It's hmm, a little after 4 o'clock. I'm Mac McCoy, and welcome to the Thursday edition of The View from a Pew. And as Emily said, you can always catch the older uh, ones or the ones we've already done. Uh, Just go to YouTube.com and then put in The View from a Pew, and that's how you can watch the programs. And we now have a... I don't know why this took so long. It's my fault. It's no else's but mine. But I now actually have an email address that is Mac at the view from a pew. So if somebody wants to email me and, and tell us what we can do better, I always like it when people tell me what we can do better. And uh, I, I give you permission to tell me that if you choose to do so. And my wingman, my uh, co-host is Delmar Austin, retired uh, pastor, and now living the good life of uh, running around the country with his wife, running marathons. Well, I ran a half marathon in the last month. Yeah. And my son, who's a better, much better runner than I am, he ran the full marathon. Okay. So we run together. We like to get together in different parts of the country and run a race. Now, wait a minute. Hold on. So if you ran together and he ran a full marathon, then that means you ran a full marathon. Well, we run in the same race. Oh. But we don't run the same time frame or the same distance. Yeah, so you're not doing it side by side. Well, there were 19,000 people that were part of this last race, and so, you know, we would would have lost each other somewhere along the way anyway. Wow, 19,000. Yeah, it was the biggest event I had run in before. Is that bigger than Boston? No, Boston is still bigger than that. Yeah, wow. All right, so we are continuing our conversation on the meaning of the cross. And I've learned a lot. Uh, I I thought I was uh, biblically, uh, you know, at least smart enough to talk about subjects. But uh, this is some real good stuff. And today we're going to start with first the bad news. Well, and that's, we touched on that last week also. We touched on the fact that there is bad news in the Bible. You know, you think of of the Bible as the good book, which it is. And yet, right away, after the Bible tells us that God created this world, it tells us that we ran into a big problem, a major problem, and that is the problem of sin. Yeah. God didn't plan on that one. Yeah. So um, everything starts, of course, in Genesis with uh, Adam and Eve, and then along comes Cain and Abel. Yes, and that's a continuation of a revelation that comes of what the consequences of sin are. You know, the first two children that are born on this earth get into, uh, you know, they begin to uh, try to deal with each other, and they don't get along with each other. And uh, so Cain becomes very jealous of his brother and eventually takes his life. But this is just one thing that takes place. 
because of the consequences of sin. And God has told them that from the very first. He has told them that there would be consequences. There would be a curse that would be on the earth. There would be a curse in their lives. Uh, the woman is cursed because there's pain in childbirth. Yeah, there wasn't before that. There wasn't a, a, apparently before that, but now there will be. And it's interesting because bringing life into this world, which is such a special, precious thing, deals with pain and it deals with even the possibility that, or the risk of losing your life. Yeah. Women still lose their lives sometimes when they bring life into this world. Well, and a hundred years ago and before that, it was, it was, I don't like to say it was common, but it was a high risk. Yes. That a, a woman uh, either would lose the child or would lose her own life. So you, what we do, what we see from Genesis from the very start is God is saying, we've got this situation of sin and we've got consequences that are going to happen. Adam and Eve, after sin, not only are these curses pronounced, but then they have to leave the Garden of Eden. They can't even live in the special place that God created for them. They have to go someplace else. And so Adam and Eve begin to realize that this is what is going to happen because we did not trust God. We did not listen to him. The good news is, and we don't want to, you know, we don't want to obscure that. The good news is, even at, from the very start, God starts telling them that I got a plan. I've got a plan to deal with this problem of sin. And he talks about the seed of the woman there in Genesis chapter 3. The seed of the woman is going to eventually come, and he will have an answer to the problem of sin. But right now, as humanity is just getting going, they recognize that sin is a big problem. It is not just, you know, something that we can deal with. It is a big problem. So, so here's a question, and maybe there's no answer for this. They knew they sinned because they saw that they were naked. Yes. And before that, that wouldn't have been an embarrassment. Uh, I know in Genesis, God told them that they sinned. You, they did yes. what they weren't supposed to. Why did they have to leave the garden? Just as a punishment? The garden was the place that God met with them. God met with them and, and interfaced with them directly. They heard his voice. I don't know what they saw. The Bible doesn't make that really clear. But there was interfacing going on between them and God. It was a special place where that had taken place. Now there was going to have to be separation. There's going to have to be separation because of sin. You have on one side the holiness of God. God is this perfect being that created everything. He, he is on the side of good. Yeah. And then you have mankind who now has fallen into sin. And Mac, it's not just one sin. It's not just, oops, you know, I slipped. No, it's a distrust of God. It's saying, we don't trust what God told us. We're going to do what we want to do instead of what God says. And now there's this separation between God and between mankind. And that's a big problem. Well, and there, I'm guessing that if there hadn't been original sin, uh, Cain and Abel wouldn't have fought and one of them wouldn't have died. 
Well, the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have a tendency to sin. All of us even choose in our own lives to sin rather than to listen to God and obey God. So here's a question for you. Why didn't God just forgive us all for sinning and then we could go back to the way it was? Wouldn't that be easy? Wouldn't that be nice? Why didn't God just say, okay, you slipped up this time. We'll forget it, and we'll just keep going, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we get three strikes in baseball, right? Yeah, we got one strike, and we're out. (laughs) Yeah. This is so serious. God cannot just say it. This has to do with the enormity of sin. Sin is like God discovering a cancer. He discovers a cancer in you, Mac. He discovers that you're at stage five oh, of man. development, right? I think that's dead, isn't something, it? Something, <laughs> almost. Yeah. He's, he decides here that something has to be done. There's got to be a removal of sin. And so that is what God's plan is about. God has to do radical surgery in this world in order, because otherwise sin continues to go in this world. It continues to grow. If you leave the cancer in the body, the, the cancer will kill that body. Yeah, but we're not, we're not sinning less. I mean, this is a, uh, especially right now in this time, it's, it's just not a good time. There's a lot of sinning going on. That's right. And there it's is. public. That's right. But, you know, for a person that responds to God, that puts their faith in God, there's a change that comes about in that person's life. It doesn't mean they never sin again, but there is a change. And God, you know, what we're going to talk about, Mac, is, is about the atonement. And what God has done is to pay the price for sin. In some ways, we could say it was God himself who had the cancer surgery for us. Yeah. And that's why then he can give us life. Yeah, I always say that God came to earth and put flesh on. Yes. He was born of a virgin. Yes. But he came especially to be the sacrifice for sin because the sin problem is a major problem that has to be dealt with. And that's what we call the atonement. And, Mac, I don't think a lot of Christians really understand what the atonement is about. We understand about Jesus. We understand he died on the cross. The atonement is what needed to be accomplished so that we could be saved, so that Jesus could offer us the gift of salvation. Yeah, because before that, we uh, we were sacrificing animals. And we'd have to do it over and over and over and over. Yes. Um, and he, he, I mean, I don't like to say it this way, but he kind of got filled up with, fed up actually with the Israelites and said, all right, I'm going to bring the Gentiles into this and then we'll forgive them all. But you know, God was the one that initiated the sacrificial service. And I think that's important to, to take a look at because it was through this sacrificial service God was trying to teach Israel about what his plan was. God didn't just leave us helpless in this world. He didn't say, okay, you sinned and you've, you've messed everything up and there's no way to fix this now. God had a plan. And that plan involved his sacrifice 
But in order for us to understand, he goes through a rather complicated object lesson. An object lesson is to try to teach you to understand some concept. And so that's what God was doing with the sacrificial service. And he initiated it even from the very first where Adam and Eve and, and Cain and Abel are involved in giving sacrifices, but it goes all the way till, you know, into the Old Testament where children of Israel are told all these specific things that they needed to do, what kind of things they needed to bring to the tabernacle in order to, uh, in order to sacrifice for sin. Boy, he sure loves us. He loves us, and he wants us to understand that. And... If we understand about the sanctuary, we understand what the meaning of the sanctuary is, we appreciate the grace of God even more. All right, we're going to uh, take our break here, and we'll be back tomorrow at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And uh, are we going to talk about the light in the wilderness, Well, we're going to move to atonement? We're going to go back uh, and talk a little bit about that Old Testament tabernacle, which okay. was in the wilderness. Yeah, all right. I appreciate you being here, Pastor um, Austin. Uh, Delmar is my co-host as we do this every single day and all week long on your local radio station and then, of course, all over the Internet uh, at The View from a Pew. I want to thank uh, Rodney and Jen and the family for uh, being our loyal sponsors, our studio sponsors, and they, of course, are from Divine Truth Christian Store. And that's at 84th and Harrison if you're local. But if you're not local, you can order offline anything you want at Divine Christian, Divine Truth Christian.com. Where you'll find more.